Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to go into a series called For the Sake of Eternity. Um, And this is probably going to be a lot more teaching rather than just encouragement, but I think it's really important. And to be quite honest, the reason we're doing this, because I I just couldn't shift it, I I was doing my devotions, there's two series I want to do, Um, I feel like God's put it in my heart, because who knows it's important to get the full picture, yeah? Uh, I don't want to just give you part of the picture, um, a partial picture, but a full picture, And we'll realize in a minute that when you get the full picture, it actually helps you um, to live the way God has intended you to live. Um, In the series we just done in in regards to relationships, it's the same thing. We talked about how you see marriage, which is the goal of any relationship. If you're in a male-female relationship, the goal is marriage, if you want to do it God's way. And so how you see marriage determines then how you date. If you, if you see marriage as a temporary thing, well, you'll probably date and prepare and plan that way. Um, and so in the same way, in the way we live, um, really is determined by how we see eternity. If we don't think eternity is a thing, then we live temporary, just kind of do what feels good right now, go with the flow. But if eternity is real, and, and God has put eternity on our hearts, that that. If any of us have been to funerals and we're at the funeral and we feel like it's just not, it doesn't feel right that it's the end, well, then God has put eternity in your heart. And hence why a lot of people believe in heaven. And we don't really like to talk about hell, me included. <laughs> That's why I'm being obedient to the Holy Spirit here uh, because it's not really comfortable. It's not really something I like to talk about. I don't like to talk about failure. I don't like to talk about getting beat yesterday in a game of football. My pride doesn't do well. Um, making all the excuses, texting someone this morning saying, oh, we had a low squad with five players missing, you know. If, if that wasn't the case, we would obviously beat you. But, but there's certain things we don't like to talk about, but it doesn't make them any less real. And so we're going to deal with that now. Um, I was just thinking about um, a few scenarios in my life, because I think it's really important that we understand the heart of this. It's really important that we understand... Uh, who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, His heart. If we swing too far to one side, we think God's just out to get us. And He's this big, you nearly think He's evil. He's out to try and catch us out and beat us up. And, and maybe some of you have heard people preaching, maybe on the street, in a church, somewhere, and it feels like God's just angry at us all the time. <laughs> I don't think that's fully true. Um, especially when we say things, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. I think that's a balanced approach. Uh, I think the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So he, he loves us. He first loved us while we were sinners. So when we start to, to get a better picture of God, we start to see how fair and just he is, but also how the, that there's a reality on the earth. There's a reality as humanity as well. And if we don't expose that truth, then we can't deal with that truth. Um, I remember 
maybe being mistreated a few times. And I, re- I just remember how my friends wrapped around me and they were angry for me. I was just disheartened. They were angry for me and they wanted justice and they wanted to, to stand up for me. And, and I realized with that came division, with that came breakdown of other relationships and there was consequences. I didn't like it. I never wanted it. I never thought it would ever happen, but it happened and there was consequences. Maybe some of you have been there before. Or maybe you've been in a love relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, whatever, and you've realized that there's a fine line between (laughs) going to a lawyer to make a marriage one and signing that off legally and with being in in a courthouse because of separation. They say there's a fine line between love and hate. How, how did one group of people, two people that came together so much in love, one day end up with so much hate? There's consequence. When things don't work out, there's consequence. And it's not all roses, and it's not all nice, and it's not all perfect. And as much as we want to put our head in the sand, in some of those situations, it happens. It's an issue. It's destructive. It's the brokenness of our humanity. And it hurts. Can anyone give me an amen to that? The Bible talks about there's a path that leads to life. But there's also a path that leads to destruction. And we can experience that here on earth as well as eternity, as some of you already know. I remember, I'm trying to frame this before we go into the Scripture to kind of make sure we read the Scriptures in the right light and context. Uh, I remember I was helping out at a charity event, doing the good thing, uh, and I was helping organize it, making sure things were in place, light and sound, all that stuff set up, and I had to run home for a second to get something, and as I was doing it, you know, I decided to put my phone in my hand on loudspeaker, thought I was okay, and my heart was good, and all of a sudden, I'm not even kidding, I was literally had it like this, just trying to organize, hey, where's this, where's that, and, and I'm not even thinking about who's beside me, behind me, and then I just come up to a set of lights, and I just look to my right, and there it is, lovely policewoman. <laughs> and I'm then looking down at my hand. You seen that, did you? <laughs> or can I just lower the phone for a second here? I wasn't sure how high my kind of window went, so I just went pop, and then she's like, pull over. I'm like, oh, end up pulling over. In my head, this is not right. Like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to help with charity. This is a disgrace. You better not give me a fine. And uh, she gave me a fine. Three points. And it wasn't even, the points weren't really the problem. It was the consequence of the insurance with the points. And it cost me 300 pounds. And I said, oh, come on, you know, there's criminals out there. What are you doing? Oh, do something. You know, I felt like I didn't say that, but I felt like it's so bad. It's like, this is a joke. And then she said, yeah, I was dealing with uh, someone that died there because someone was on their phone just last week. And I was like, that shut me up real quick. And as much as part of me had made a, a justified approach to this situation that I don't deserve this and I've been doing good works and I've been, I was in the middle of planning something that was going to help people for charity, 
I realize as much as I don't like this, as much as I threw the toys out of the pram, as much as I, there's part of me wanted to curse, it didn't matter. Because the truth was the truth. The reality was the reality. And I had to then just suck it up and deal with that sinking feeling I had in my heart that I just lost about 500 quid when you add it all up. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? Are we just, fo- yeah, good. Got some sinners in the room. It's not just me. Then I come to, you know, all of a sudden I find myself in the middle of a church plant. We've now got a building. Having to learn of other consequences that talking to the fire warden, coming doing the, we just organized another safety check for these little bad boys up here and that go off if there's a fire of any kind. And, and I'm kind of like trying to cut costs down and like, do we really need to get this check? You know, this is going to empty the bank account a little bit. Um, I prefer to spend that on something else, in my opinion. And it's like, you, you can, you, you don't have to do it. But if there's a fire, you're going to jail. What? Who made that up? What, what have I signed up to here? What am I a part of here? They said, what? And you know what happened? I started to get fear in me. But the fear caused me to make a decision to get the fire checked on, to lower the risk and to increase your safety. Can I get an amen? So that when the youth are here, when the children are here, as much as I thought we could cut some corners, one, I can stay out of jail and you can stay alive. So, but you know what helped me? Consequence. You know what helped me? Fear. It was a good fear. It was a fear that caused me to give up on my own ideas and to come on board with the ideas that had been presented, the laws that had been made. Why? Because mistakes had been made prior. That's why they were established. I'm learning. I'm starting to realize, whoa. You've heard the story so many times where, where somebody has got into the wrong company as a teenager. They've kept that company, ended up going to the wrong parties, ended up in a relationship which became destructive, ended up having children before they had, this, had a plan to have children, ended up in rehab centers with drugs and alcohol, ended up losing jobs, ended up all these kind of things. Listen, they probably meant well. They never intended to be where they are right now, but they're still there. Why? Because there's consequence. It's the reality of life that, that when we make decisions, sometimes our way, just with our feelings or what seems good or the shortcut, it ends up with consequence. I realize that society without consequence is a mess. It's broken. It just doesn't work. We look at that scripture in the Old Testament where, where we learn about this place called Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah, where God literally wiped the slate. Why? It was a society full of people just doing things and not thinking about consequence. That's why when Noah started to speak about, hey, we got to get ready. They didn't listen because they weren't thinking about eternity. They weren't thinking about consequence. They were just going with what felt good. It's awful quiet in here. 
See, relationships without consequence, without boundaries, without respect, don't work. We've just learned that. If you're in a relationship and you're I'll just go with my feelings, it's a disaster within about three minutes. Because what you feel like doing isn't what the other person feels like doing. And it actually might make them feel less because you're doing it. Because you want to, I'm on holidays and I want to go over here, but I want to do this. What do we do? If we're both doing our own thing, it's called division. When we, when we have a, a body of people and we're not going the same direction, there's two visions, maybe more. It's divisive. A house that it doesn't come into agreement cannot stand. You see how very quickly, it doesn't take too long for us humans to fall into the destructive patterns, the messes, brokenness, hell on earth. I love this scripture, and I think it's so clear, and I think this is what the series is really trying to instill in us as a church, as a people, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Maybe over the past way we haven't spoken enough about God's holiness. We've thought about God as a father. He's a good, you know, sometimes maybe some of us, we fathers, like that's my wee mate, that's, that's my wee daughter, which is my mate, my best friend. Yeah, and, and part of that's right and part of that's good, but also God is not just a father like that. He's a father, a leader father. He's a Lord. He's a king. You think about people preparing about the king's coronation coming up. People have been invited. I know Just Sing, who used to prepare here and used to sing uh, on a Thursday night in this building. They're now at the rugby club. But they're all excited, going to sing for the king. Nervous. Oh, anticipation. Preparation. There's like a fear of what if I get something wrong? What if I don't do it right? What if I don't honor the king? Maybe we need some of that back into our relationship with God because he's a king. He's not just a worldly king, an earthly king. He's a king above all the kings, all the presidents, all the leaders of humanity that we know of today. He is the king above kings, a king that is worthy to bow the knee before. He's trusted and when we do bow the name, we humble ourselves under his mighty name. You know what happens? He brings life. He's not a king that's trying to, to kill, hurt, or destroy us. He's a king that's trying to, to raise us up from our death in our flesh. There's life in him. There's life in it. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's life in him. There's life in him. He's a relational God. But there are consequences. Why? Because he's also a holy God. And, and he can't deny himself. He can't just, like the policewoman, she's like, oh, really feel sorry for you. Really sorry you lifted your phone. Really sorry you're going to get a fine. It's going to be big. Really sorry. Can't go on holidays this year. Really sorry. But I've got to do my job because, just because, this is what's right what you're doing is what's wrong. There has to be consequences or society is a mess. And the reality is what I was doing leads to dysfunction. What I was doing was, leads to destruction. What I was doing leads to people down on the road. So I had to suck it up and look at myself in the mirror and try to make amends. See, God is not just a lion. Or sorry, he's not just a lamb. In, in probably this era of the church, we've probably... You know, the songs about sloppy wet kisses. Have you ever heard one of those? Like, what? 
I feel uncomfortable about that, but, but there's a part of God that is a friend. He is our lover. He, he, he is someone who, who loves us dearly with a soft, gentle heart like a lamb who was willing to sacrifice his son. Yes, but there's also a, a lion of Judah. And he's both. And that's what we're pressing in to get the balance. And let's just read this scripture. Before we do, I want to just share the story just to finish. I want to, I'm just trying to set the frame for what we're about to say. When I go into schools, I subteach one day a week for the most part, and I go around all kinds of different schools and see all kinds of different leadership, see all kinds of different students. I've seen some of the worst schools, some of the best schools, some of the worst schools being some of the best schools. <coughs> you know, a lot of it all comes down on leadership. I've seen some of the schools that should be the worst in Belfast perform way better in some of the grammar schools I've been into. Why? Leadership. And what was the quality in leadership that brought functionality, that brought better results, that brought more enjoyment? Because here's the thing, when, when this component is within the culture of a body of people, it actually brings enjoyment too. When you have boundaries in a relationship, it actually brings enjoyment when we stick within them. Was that there was someone in the leadership of the school the people were afraid of. <laughs> it was either the principal or it was the vice principal. One was the bad cop, one was the good cop. You've heard about that before, you've realized that. You think back to school, when the school functioned well, there was someone there who had authority, there was someone there who, who you were afraid to go face to face with, there was someone there that made you shake in your boots just a little bit. And because of that, you stayed in line. And because of that, you knew there was a boundary. And because of that, you'd done your homework. Am I right? And that's the same with God. God is not just the good cop. He's not a bad cop either. When I say a bad cop, what I'm, I really mean is there's authority. There's consequence. It's not just a free-for-all. He has holiness. He represents truth. And listen, it's only the truth that can set you free. So that's why he cares about truth. That's why he cares about holiness. That's why heaven is holy. It's not dysfunctional. It's perfect. Streets of gold. There is no tears. Why? It's holy. Still quiet in here. So, so let's, we'll get into the scriptures now. So in John 3, 16, this is where we see, for God so loved the world. It says, for, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So God's first and foremost plan and goal for the world is to save it, not to condemn it, not to call us out because we inherited sin from Adam, to send another Adam to pay the price and the penalty of sin for us. There, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. So if you believe in Jesus, there's no, there's no judgment against you. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only, only son. And the judgment is based on the fact that God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than light for their actions were evil. So there's the person who isn't judged, who believes in Christ, and the person that is judged that doesn't meaning they don't have that price of that imperfection, those mistakes that God sees all of, there's, they haven't been paid for. They're just out there in, in, the, in eternity 
floating around. God has seen every act, every thought that you've made. And it's out there. And unless the debt is paid, there's judgment upon those sins. I'm going to go into 2 Corinthians 5. And it says this, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. I feel it. Hips are aching from yesterday. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothes. For we put on our heavenly bodies, we will not be we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we will groan and sigh. We will struggle. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these earthly bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these damn bodies will be swallowed up by life. So we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's what you've heard a lot of, at a lot of funerals. So the question is, what, are, what is our goal while we're here on the earth? It says in 2 Corinthians 5, so whether we are here in the body or away from the body, our goal is to please him, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we, ever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. So I want to talk about just what does the judgment look like for the believer, the unbeliever. But primarily, as, as people on the earth, our goal, our most natural position is to please God. We're most fulfilled when we please God. Our life matters. See, some of us, we can get so easily wrapped up in thinking our goal is to make a YouTube channel. Our goal is to be on TikTok. Our goal is to get the most amount of likes and break records. Or, or the biggest, best job, the perfect house, the perfect family. Sometimes we get attached to all of these things which distract us from purpose. And they also distract us from God's peace. They also distract us and leave us empty. Because enough is never enough. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. And so we've got to be reminded time and time again, our goal is to please Christ. And our life matters. See, you might say, well, Phil, why do I have to believe in eternity? The problem is if you don't believe in eternity and you just believe in evolution and that your life just happened and it just came out of the blue, well, then you're just going to live how you like. And destruction will be your friend. Deception will be your friend. You'll be right at home with living a life just for the now. If you live a life just for the now, you're living a life just with your emotions. You're living a life just with what feels good. And listen, what feels good will lead you down a dark path, which will destroy you in the end. You know, does anyone know that that's true? <laughs> My feelings are a nightmare. But if you believe with eternity in mind that you were created by God for God, you know what happens? You start to build a rock, which, sorry, you start to build a life which is solid as a rock. It's built on firm foundations. It, it's, it's, it's a solid construction. 
It's built around the family. It's built around God's way of doing things. It's built around, actually, it's quite logical in a lot of ways too. It makes sense to be faithful to, to God and to people. It makes sense to be trustworthy. It makes sense. It's attractive to have a sound mind and peace at, at the bottom of your soul. It's attractive. Why would you not want it? But we're deceived so often by the enemy. And so when eternity is our goal, what happens is it, it sets the framework. How we see later defines how we live now. If eternity truly matters, you know what happens? We puff up. We get on our toes. We're more alert. We realize that there's a fight on our hands for our family, for our soul, for our friends. All of a sudden, we start to live with purpose, with assignment. That's, that's when we, we're, we're born to work. We're born to do good works. And that's when we truly come to life. There's life in it. Come on, some of you have been in positions where you've just had everything that you wanted. Maybe if it's a kid, when you were a kid, it was getting off from school, and you had everything you wanted, and very quickly before, you thought if I could just sit in the TV, in front of the TV all day, I'd be happy, and then all of a sudden, within a few hours, you're bored. You're, you're starting to click on things, and, and you're realizing, whoa, I, the fantasy... The thought that I had, I, that, that I thought would give me fulfillment, actually didn't. And then that's when you realize you got to get involved in something again and go out and be a part of something again, be around people again. Because so, sometimes the fantasy we have is usually not reality. So let's talk about what the Bible says about three things that happen after this life is done. And next week we're going to talk about hell. We're going to talk about what is hell. Is it people just being extreme? Is it a reality? What does the Bible say in the, New, in the Old Testament? What does it say in the New Testament? What does it say? And how do we deal with that? How do we put that into the framework? Why would it even be spoke of? What about Gehenna, which was a physical place within Jerusalem that Jesus spoke about as an example? And we'll touch on that next week, but for this week, we'll talk about judgment. So it says in Hebrews 9, just as people are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sin of many. And he will appear a second time and not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So number one, our physical bodies die. There's actually studies that have been done all across the world. And they figured out that one out of one people die. One out of one, 100%. Everybody comes to a place where they die. Number two, our souls separate from our physical bodies. At that point, it's believed that when we die physically, our souls are then separated into a place of eternity. It says in Matthew 10 and 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So don't fear people, fear God. It says in John 11 and 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So what happens to our, our souls when our physical body dies? Well, actually, all throughout the Old Testament, it actually only really speaks about a word called Hades, which in some translations is said to be hell. But Hades is essentially the, 
it means the grave. And we don't really hear about the afterlife in regards to hell until the New Testament when Jesus actually speaks about it the most. And so that, that's what we'll deal with next week. But I always find it interesting. I remember years ago I was struggling with this bad. I just I couldn't understand how could God, a good God, how could this be a, a part of the picture? And as I went through life and I realized there's just consequences, whether I like it or not, whether I want it or not, it's there. It's, it's here on earth. It's completely logical when you're dealing with people who have sinned. It's logical in my, my own life. When I don't have consequence, I don't do as well. So it helps me to perform better. helps me to love better. helps me to respect more. helps me to kill my flesh, kill the sin in me. Because it's a reflection. Consequence is just a reflection of the problem, really. And this kind of throws theology off in, in a lot of circles. Uh, we just went past Easter there, and, and Jesus was on the cross. There was two people beside him. And it says here in Luke 23, it says, this thief on the cross said this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here, here we have, have a guy who didn't get baptized. You should still get baptized, by the way, with water. If you want to get baptized, let me know. But he didn't, he didn't go to class, didn't go to Bible school, didn't go to class, didn't ever probably pray or study, study the scriptures. But at the very last moment, he realized that Jesus was the Messiah. And in a sense, he asked him, remember me. I, I believe in you. I want to be with you. And Jesus grants him paradise, which we can only assume is heaven. And so that's an incredible scripture that paints a picture of the love of God and how much he wants people to come to a place of repentance to save people. Uh, it says in Philippians 1 and 20, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, for eternity's sake, it is better that I continue to live. See, it seems that Paul is so, he's got a revelation of eternity. He's got a revelation of what it is to be in Christ's presence. He's got a revelation that, hey, it's, it's, it's far better to be away from this earth than be in heaven, be present with the Lord. But he realizes he's got a job to do on this earth. There, there's a time and an opportunity while we're here on this earth to make a difference. And Paul realizes that in that moment. And thirdly, we will all face judgment. 1 Peter 1 and 17 says, And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. Why has he no favorites? Because truth is just truth. Holy is just holy. It's not about you know, how many times uh, you see maybe the way someone looks or, or the status they have. Sometimes they're treated differently in this world. But it actually does them no favor because sometimes the people who have maybe advantages in, in earthy manners lose out. If you're brought up and your family is rich, sometimes you don't have to go get that job because your family's got everything it needs, but the consequence is you don't learn a lot of valuable lessons, a work ethic, you don't learn um, how to dig deep, you don't learn how to be on time because what seems like an advantage becomes a disadvantage. Or maybe no one ever scolds you or disciplines you and you become a monster. Said no parent ever. <laughs> Without discipline, 
godly, loving discipline, you create monsters. Anyone realize that? Same applies for puppies. We just have a puppy and there's no discipline. We're being too nice. No. Crack the whip. Why? There's life in it. That's what we're talking about. And that's why God has no favorites is because, listen, truth will set you free, not part truth, full truth. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Those that love me follow my commands. When we follow God's commands, we walk in freedom. We walk close to God. The flesh no longer gets a grip on us. It can't. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. See, what that also taps into is that we understand that there's a part of life which is sacred. Sacred is really another word for the part that we don't get to change, the part that we don't have really have, have a say in. Like when you're born, you're born male or female. That's sacred. We don't get to play with that. Whereas in today's world, you know what's happening? We're starting to tell God, hey God, you're made in my image. Hey God, I don't agree. I think I know more than you. I think you got it wrong. You know what that does? Destroys people. It wrecks their soul. It confuses the the world around us and society becomes more broken than it's ever been. That's what Sodom and Gomorrah was. People think, God, we know better than you. We've got a better plan. God, we want you to be made in our image instead of we're made in your image. And it gets rid of the sacred. It gets rid of holiness. Oh, sin's no longer sin. Let's just go with feelings. You can't have holiness and sabotage truth. That's the world we're in right now. There's a sabot. The culture is trying to sabotage truth. It's ridiculous, to be quite honest. Some of the conversations we're having is ridiculous. Like, are you serious? When it comes to sport and who's playing sports and me, I'm what? Like, what? How, how confusion do we have to be as a culture? But where's it driven? It's driven from a place, I feel this way. But my feelings get me into so many messes. My feelings justify that I shouldn't get fined by the police officer because I don't feel like I like that, even though people are down the roads because of people doing what I'm doing. Truth brings freedom. Submission to God's way brings freedom. It brings life. It deals with the sin of our past, present, and future. It deals with iniquity and patterns of sin that we've inherited. It brings freedom to the soul and to the heart. What was the freedom course that we just done? It was all about what the Scripture says. And there was difficult things that we had to face, but when we did, and we, and we submitted to God's love and His goodness, you know what happened? We got free. We had a clear mind. Our conscience was freed. It works. It still works. Can I get an Amen. So there's two judgments. I'm going to finish here because time is up. We see two judgments. One is for the unbeliever and the other one is for the believer. The first one is the great white throne of judgment. It says in Revelations 11, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky, fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the, the dead both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. 
separated from God eternally, which means living without God's love, His, his discipline. We've just spoke about that. I go into a school without discipline. I go into a school without somebody who can bring authority. It's chaos. No one's learning. There is no life in it. It's broken. What's going on I say to heaven? Exactly that. God's goodness is not there. God's grace is not there. God's patience is not there. It's not there. That, that, that's really what hell looks like. Some of you have experienced it on earth. It's when God's completely out of the picture and we're just doing things our own way. It destroys people. It's divisive. And that's why when we talk about the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that's what we mean. God's presence is good. It builds, it creates, he speaks life and things happen. Let there be light, there was light. He's a creator. Everything that he done was good. And so that is for the great white throne is really for the unbeliever. Because great white throne doesn't apply to the believers we read in, in John 3, 16 and, and 17, 18. Here's a scary thought. Matthew 7 says this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. What's going on here is that people played religion. People just done what the culture done. The Jews done. Neighbors done. Maybe today that would be like, I went to church, God, Christmas and Easter. Come on. God, I, I helped out at that charity event three years ago. Come on, God. I gave something to that homeless person a decade ago. Do you not remember that? And he's like, I never, you never, you never done life with me. You never trusted me. You never really knew me. That's what he's talking about. It's so easy to fall into a religious mindset of just if I do something, then God's cool. But actually, what's going on here is that God doesn't just want you to be cool with him. He doesn't want you to be distant with him. God wants you to know him, to deal with the problem of sin. It goes on to say, and we're going to finish here, the, last, the other judgment is the judgment seat of Christ, and this is for the believer. Because the, the believer has dealt with sin, Jesus paid, it, paid for it on the cross. So it's, it, that's not a deal anymore. You're in the Lamb's book of life. But it says here in 2 Corinthians 5, For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And really that's a bit like the, the word used here for the judgment seat of Christ is the word bema or bema. And it's a term that was used in the Greek, Greek Olympic Games, where at the end of the race, you know, first, second, third, whatever, that the judge would come up and, and put a medal round the winner's neck and just judge, right, you were the winner, you were second, you were third. It's the same word that was used there. And in the same way as a believer, God has said there's, there's the crown of life for those who lead people to salvation. There's, there's a reward system when we get to heaven. And, and it, we should want to invest into that because the reward system is completely attached to seeing other people come to faith, seeing other people 
receive salvation. That's what it's based around. And so maybe it's something to think about when we talk about, well, what does that look like practically? Well, the Bible actually says when you give a cup of water in my name, God sees that. God rewards that. Or what are you doing with the marginalized or the brokenness of society? See, here's what you've got to realize is that we're not saved by works. It's because the, judge, the great white throne of judgment is dealt with. We're now here at the judgment seat of Christ. This is about what have we done with what God has done in us and through us. So we're, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And so now this judgment seat is about what have you done? Have you fulfilled the assignment that God has put in your heart? Have you been close enough to hear what God wants you to do? What have we done with the, the people who are suffering in our community? What have we done? The Bible talks about if someone is wealthy and, and has money and they see someone that is suffering and they do nothing about it, well, that will be judged. To whom much is given, much is required. If we have the ability to help, to serve, to love, to be the representation of Christ on the earth and we ignore that, well, then there, there's a consequence to our rewards. What you did to the least of these, you did to me. See, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. And yes, this has been a hard message. It's a lot to think about. It's hard to even understand. But honestly, with God's ways, one thing I know, it always brings life. It's not always easy. Why? Because the flesh in me <laughs> wants to do his own thing. The flesh, the human part of me wants to, to be in control. The human part of me wants to know better. But I, one thing I've learned is when I submit to God's way, there's life. When I submit to God's way, there's breath. There's the freshness of God. There's the power of God. Life starts to make sense. When we see life through the eternal lens, we see the full picture. We're not just chasing emotions. We're not just chasing the next hype train. We're living on purpose, with purpose. God gives us assignments. We see great things happen. It's a beautiful journey. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life, and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.